Lustmord will be joining me in just a second on Coming Up Next, the podcast. But if you're not already subscribed to the show, head to comingupnext.com.au. You'll find buttons to iTunes, Stitcher and Podbean where you can subscribe to this podcast. And it's going to download to your phone or your computer each and every week. So you never miss an episode. There's also the entire back catalogue of podcast rambles available on there so do yourself and do me a favor support the show that comes to you for free each and every week head to comingupnext.com.au and subscribe now Hey friends, how are you going this week? Welcome to episode 158 of Coming Up Next, the podcast. For those of you who are new to the show, this is my show. I'm Alistair Marks. Welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, if you haven't already, you can find all the back catalogue of episodes at comingupnext.com.au. You probably heard that at the head, but I thought, hey, it's my show. I can reiterate it if I want to. Big thank you to Ivana Chubbuck for joining me on the show last week. Ivana is one of the master acting teachers in the world. She's the coach to people like Brad Pitt, Charlize Theron, Halle Berry, Beyonce, just to name a few. So if you haven't checked that episode out, you can find it at the aforementioned website, which is comingupnext.com.au. So huge amounts of thank you to Ivana for, uh, for sharing her life story uh, and just being incredibly open and honest and raw uh, about her journey to where she is now. Lust Maud joins me this week for a, uh, for a big old podcast ramble. Lust Maud is a, uh, is a musician, he's a sound engineer, he's a sound designer, he's a film composer. He invented his own sound in the, uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, kind of at the end of the, the punk revolution that was going on. He, uh, he grew up in Wales, which is where he met his partner, who also is, uh, is featured in the background of this episode, uh, and has just had an extraordinary journey and career to, uh, to date. He invited me into his home in Los Angeles to have, a, uh, to have a great discussion about life, about creativity, about whether or not it means anything, about what it was like to score The Crow, about what it was like to collaborate with Tool, which not many people have had the opportunity to do. Uh, but instead of telling you about the bullet points of, uh, of this episode, I'm going to pass you over to myself to kick off the interview. Remember, subscribe at comingupnext.com.au to the show. It comes at you for free each and every week. It's the best way that you can support us. And by us, I mean me and all of the amazing people that uh, I'm fortunate enough to speak with. Anyway... Here it is, episode 158 of Coming Up Next, the podcast with Lust Maud. There was um, there's a lot of weight to carry around when you're flying around. Yeah, well, I had a. Uh, I mean, this is pretty portable, but um. But when you're flying, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, this is like the smallest version of the kit that I've carried around because I've been flying around with cameras and lenses oh, and course, stuff yeah. as well. I do these live shows and I have to make sure that because I fly and I do a show and I fly back a day or so later and I always have to make sure that everything I do for to perform live 
fits in a backpack because yeah. if you lose my luggage I can't do the show so it can be a real pain because you have a laptop and a mixer and a keyboard and convert you know it adds up to quite a bit of weight in your back especially when you're lining up standing in airports for hours because there's no way around it you have to I have to carry it with me so yeah and when you go through security I don't know if you have oh, this, yeah. <laughs> this issue but you know just or some things they go what the hell is this yeah I don't think I've ever like in the last few years of traveling I don't think I've got through security without them needing to check everything oh, so I don't, yeah everything. I don't get it all the time but you have different equipment the thing for me too is that oh fuck it drives me crazy because they'll be oh you have to take your iPad out next time no you don't take that out you know? yeah yeah and the next time oh you should <laughs> they keep changing depending where you are too because different authorities have leeway as to what they do you know locally they'll have some leeway as to what they do so you just okay because you travel quite often you know I know exactly what they do get this and you get everything ready no put that back in the bag or no you have to take this out again just for fuck's sake makes it consistent you know that, that way I'll be ready you can just go right through yeah that's the that's the kind of dream isn't it I find that A like dream. I find that the like a trip to the airport is usually a kind of uh head fuck about how I can get through this in the most efficient way possible and you're like const- I'm constantly second guessing have I chosen the right line am I in the right security oh, yeah. line am I in the right check in line is this one going to be the fastest one <laughs> you, you, you you get past that don't you Trace you do the whole business class thing I try yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's in visual effects uh, she's in special effects so when she's, sorry yeah but you don't have to second guess you go straight through a lot of those things don't you Matter, matter. Anyway, sorry. It's <laughs> all right. I guess the I guess you guys probably do a, a lot of travel, um, mm-hmm. being that you do live shows. And if Tracy's working in uh, visual effects, there's yeah. a lot of travel to be done. Uh, yeah. Well, it comes and goes, isn't it? Trace? Well, Tracy's on, on the mic. I shouldn't be shouldn't be talking to you, Tracy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. She can be a, yeah, a, little, a, little a pe- background pe- character. Little, yeah. You could be. You could be uh, local ambience. Local. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess with a lot of the film work and stuff that you do yeah. as well, that would probably require a fair bit of traveling. Or do you no, do most of that all here? No, all at home, yeah. Right. Yeah. I saw uh, First Reformed, actually, when I was in New York. And I, I don't think I'm biased in my opinion, but I, I thought it was a really great film. Yeah, I think it's a really good film, too. It's, it's oh, you, you, you make movies, but... Uh, it's just nice to work on something that's actually a good thing, you know. Because I like movie, I like all kinds of movies, but I like you know serious cinema. I like I, I watch things just to escape. Sometimes you just want to switch your brain off and watch something stupid. Yeah, not too stupid though, <laughs> <laughs> in reason. But Bit I, of brain I like candy. yeah, I like I like good you know like good something. Well, not just cinema, but like some has something to say, you know. Or it makes you think. I guess makes people think even better. And then working on something that is something worthwhile and well made, it's. So it's just a pleasant, well, it's a pleasant change, but also it's really nice to work on something that's actually good. Yeah. And I think when you're in, in like a project like that, I could imagine, you know, working with someone like Paul Schrader, Mm -hmm. the kind of collaboration would be so, uh, you know, Schrader is like a, an artist when it comes to filmmaking. He's an author and he's like... Yeah, especially that movie in particular. Yeah, yeah. it was so personal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to be creating or collaborating on, yeah, on that kind of level would be very satisfying, I could imagine. Very much so, yeah. And, but also because he had, it was a very specific movie that he wanted to make, not just the, what he was saying in the movie, but the, the way he was, the style of the movie, because it's very stylistic, isn't it? It's very pure cinema, and he's very te- there's lots of technique done really well in it. And he was very, he, 
he wanted very specific things. I think you may know he wanted to make it in black and white, for example. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, and some of these things, you were, some of us were trying to help him. Well, that's all very well. <laughs> and actually, it is your movie, and you can do, you know, it's your vision, your voice. It's, it should be yours, but some of these things. Just yeah, maybe you should have a little bit of this here, or maybe you should not have that there. Because you have to. He has the final say. It's his movie. Yeah. Well, of course, there's production as well. But uh, but the whole, the whole idea is to try and help him not just make the movie he wants to make, but also try in your own small way to make it a little bit better than if he weren't involved. You know. Yeah. So he has a very specific vision, and in general, but in that movie in particular, like you said, it's very personal, but also. From a technique point of view, he had a very specific thing he wanted to do. So. Mm. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's definitely up there on the screen. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just the way that it kind of unravels and the, the depth of the, the film as well. Uh, I saw a review which I sent to uh, Frank, which was something like, and I think it was probably quite tongue-in-cheek, but it said that um, First Reformed is taxi driver for grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was like, I mean, you know, after seeing the film, I could yeah. see, you know, the 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 angle at which one might come from that. But you know, you've collaborated with a lot of filmmakers uh-huh. over the years. What is it like? Obviously, it's a different relationship each time. But going into a project, whether you're doing a kind of sound design or whether you're composing the film, um, how have you found that your angle, I guess, has evolved over time? Well, that's a good question. I'm really not well. I don't have a quick and easy answer because it's not really something I've thought about. I, th- I I think mainly, you know, a lot of the time I'm approached because people want me. You know, what what I do. I have a very specific thing that I have a specific sound that I've developed over time, and people generally that's what they want when they come to me. So it's fairly straightforward that you know I do my do my thing, but. Uh, you know, there have been time when they wanted something quite different, which is fine because they can do different. Look, quite often, if they want something very different, I'll just say no. I'm not. I'm not the person for this, and I'll suggest some better options for them. But you know, from doing it over a long period of time, is one thing I've learned is like, well, if people come to me for for what I do, I'll just get on with doing what I think. And sometimes, you know, of course, you're open to to having people. You know, like a director or also a producer, it is their movie. They're employing you, and it's you're trying to help them get what they want so of course you listen to what they what they have to say but sometimes you kind of kind of go well you know you brought me onto this because you want me to do my thing so just let me do my my <laughs> thing you know <laughs> but anyway, i don't mean that in an egotistic or you know you know fool myself kind of way but it's like well i do a very specific thing you know you kind of that's what i'm known for so let me just get on with it yeah and, don't and, micromanage you know, yeah no, no but it'll be you know just just trust me to do something good for you you know like uh, what, what I guess what I'm saying is what I've learned over time is to is to real is to have some uh, not faith but just recognize like well I am actually on the, there's a very specific kind of thing that I'm good at so just if I'm allowed to do that I'll be you know you'll yeah, be fine trust so. in the process or trust in myself and then more yeah. Anything, yeah. So. has that been a big uh, lesson for you I guess over the span of your career you know the last sort of 30 five uh, odd years um, or longer even yeah, 38 years, I was, 38 about, years. I was talking about this yesterday wow. somebody's asking me how long I've been going, oh shit yeah right <laughs> you don't really think and you're like oh yeah hang on 1980 but then I, oh my god 38 years yeah. it's pretty extraordinary yeah. Yeah. Um, but I suppose has that been like a big through line for you as someone who is an artist a creative to really learn to trust your instincts and to trust what you're doing well, you're always trying to be better, you know, but I think over time what I discovered 
It's, and it's, it's only in the last few years. You could, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you, people are willing to dis- disagree with me, and I may well be wrong, but in my opinion, I've, over the last few years, I've actually I've finally managed to be really good at it. I mean, I think I've always been okay at it. You know, sometimes you kind of bluff your way. Well, like most things in life, a lot of the time you just bluff your way through <laughs> things. You know, but but in the process of doing that, you kind of without even realizing you're, you're learning. You know, you're often you're learning by your mistakes, but you just you're just learning. And then after a while, you realize, oh, actually, I know this stuff now. I can do this. You know, and you can. And I don't have you. You don't. You don't have doubts anymore. You know? Yeah, and you start to trust the kind of madness that's inside you. Well, I've always I've always done that myself. I've, right. I've always been very comfortable with who I am. So. <laughs> well, I don't think that's that's uh, crucial to the creative process. Yeah, I think I think I mean, what about crucial? But I, I know what you're saying, but I think just there's so many examples that it's not the case. People, yeah, true. You know, love, you know, that talk, I talk about creativity quite a lot, a lot actually, because it's, it's, I find it really interesting. That you, know, you you obviously know quite a lot of creative people. You're obviously creative yourself because you, as you say, you make documentaries, filmmaker, etc. But so most of your friends are probably most, if not all, of your friends are creative in some capacity. And you know, one thing we know is that creative people are different. They think differently. You have to be able to think outside the box in order to. Approach things differently, see things literally, see things differently, which is very useful when it comes to being creative. But of course, it does have its downside quite often because creative people tend to be, in various degrees of, you know, the polite word would be eccentric. <laughs> yeah, you know, some, yeah. you know, you have to be a little bit. You have to be. Well, I always said you have to be cra- crazy to be a creative person because any sensible person would not do it because you, the chances of success are small. The chances of financial. Uh, any kind of financial success is very small indeed. You know, it's possible, but it's unlikely. So you have to be, you know, a sensible person would just get a regular job, work nine to five and be comfortable, you know, like maybe struggle a bit, but at least could pay the bills on a regular basis. But of course, uh, a creative person can't do that. You know, they're, they're, they're literally kind of crazy enough to to not do that. But then again, a creative person can't do that. Do that. They have to do they have to create so, and, yeah. so, and some people are a little bit crazy you know a little bit a little bit eccentric and they have that little quirk we all have our little quirks and then there's you know on the dial is a little further and further and some people are just creatively you know amazing but on a, yeah they're just you know, a little bit too crazy for their own good <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I think that yeah you feel well, one one feels compelled by their creativity to uh, to either pursue it or to put it in a box or well you don't have a choice I don't think that's a, that's the catch you know? right. you mean like making movies making music and stuff I mean it's not it's not like I say it's not something you choose to do if, if you do it to make money well you, 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 that's stupid you shouldn't do it you know? <laughs> you, there's a possibility that you will make money but it's, there's a much bigger chance that you won't so if if you want to be famous uh, rich and famous do something you know do something else because you have a better chance of success mm. and all that brings me to other things too like you know there's some people who do things like going to movies and music, etc., to be famous? And usually, they're well. You know, if they're if they're ruthless enough, they will become f- famous because they'll do anything, and literally do anything it takes to uh, to get there. And they'll fuck anybody, they'll stab any friend in the back, anything it takes to become famous. And usually, a byproduct of that is you become also become rich. So, but you know, the kind of people I know, and I suspect the kind of people that you know. Who are actually rich from doing creative stuff tend to be—it's a byproduct. You know, they do their art, and they usually 
there's a lot of talent involved, but it, but luck is a huge factor. And if you, there's a lot of very talented people without any recognition out there. I think, I think persistence and a work yeah. ethic goes a long being way as well. Being stupid and being crazy. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> stupid, like you mentioned, 38 years with me. You, know, <laughs> you either have to be crazy or stupid enough to just keep on going. Yeah. And eventually, you know, like, you know, you, said, you mentioned this Paul Schrader movie. Well, that's recently, you know, like 30 years ago, nobody was asking me to work on those kind of... But you keep on going, you keep on going. Because that's what you do, you know. You're just crazy enough or maybe stupid enough to keep going regardless. But you don't have a choice. But some people, you know, through that process they they get become really successful in a good way you know in a positive sense because they're it's it's well earned and they become usually a great success brings also bring wealth and they be, you know but that's not why they did it they did it because they wanted to work on things you know, they would do it if they they would do it regardless that's the, that's the difference between people i think some people do it will do it regardless and some people use the similar I don't know if I'm making any sense here. No, absolutely. Some, some people make use a similar approach, but purely to become famous. Those are two very different things. I think the ones that you're sort of referring to who um, do find that sort of sweet spot of success mm. from doing it for, you know, the sake of the creativity and the mm. expression, uh, usually, well, not usually, but can be, uh, you know, because they've been willing to risk, you know, their kind of... Uh, vulnerability and, yeah. and actually create stuff that is highly relatable or people can really connect and with. stay true to themselves too and not kind of no go by the whims of what other people expect of them you know like if you as, as you be, start to become successful and you know if you have a successful movie or a successful album a successful book or, or uh, people then it's interesting people then want the same thing you know because the really interesting people will do different things you know yeah and then people half the audience is disappointed because you haven't done that movie again well that movie already exists why would you want to do it again and then the other half guess you know or, or the other side of the coin is if you do something very similar again and keep those people happy then at least ha- half of the audience is going to be re- really unhappy because you've just done the same thing again yeah 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 it's like catch 22 i suppose yeah. well, okay. but the thing is you don't really care about this stuff because it doesn't matter at the end of the day it doesn't matter what they think you just stay true to yourself you know? yeah yeah uh, i suppose usually talk about this sort of stuff towards the end of the conversation well, well, this, well let's make this the end then we've just kind of <laughs> we've dived head head first into well, you, it you can add it you can edit it um <laughs> but I, i'm i'm curious you know 38 years into a career what is uh i like the way you're saying it's not at the end of a career still into the career I like well that. i i like that thinking um <laughs> well i i suspect you'll continue to feel compelled uh, you're, you're compelled that's the right word yeah um how how do you at this point in your career defines success versus maybe at the beginning of your career that's a really good question is that when you usually ask that i mean i don't know i mean i'll get back to you on that one okay i'll have to let that one percolate yeah yeah well i don't know if you know success it's it's subjective you know it's really subjective i don't know first of all i'd have to go away for a while and figure out what success actually means what is success you know i don't actually know to be honest with you i mean you can or you can I don't know, the simple answer, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question because I don't really, it's not something I really think about, but also success, really, it's, it's you know, a matter of perspective, it's hard to quantify, you know, one way, even one person might think that X is success, is success, but, you know, I'm going to have to backpedal a little bit, is, 
I don't know, just had to quantify what actually is success. You know, the, it's interesting because you find some people, I think the people who really want to be successful, the ones who will do anything, those, those people are particularly amusing because they'll become, if they do something really successful, like get the best movie of the year or, you know, or the most, there'll always be somebody else who has, who's had two. Or, so they'll never think of themselves as being, they'll always have this, this crazy... Uh, yeah, the goalposts always yeah, shift. Exactly, yeah. And then, but it's a very personal. I mean, that just success. I mean, just to be able to do what you, yeah. I think it it goes back to the beginning because I think there's a real success. It's just just being able to do what you do. You know, mm. if if you're using music as an example, if people are uh, listening to it, that's great. But you do it anyway. If enough people, of course, things have changed a lot in the last few years with the, you know uh, technology and things. But there was a time success was enough people buying your work that you could use that money to do the next one you know for me that was always the idea of success you could keep <laughs> on going because you had enough support yeah you could financially you were able to keep going i guess well that's an interesting mm. uh point of conversation how how that's kind of shifted and evolved because i know that with a lot of the streaming services that are available now a lot of musicians and um, artists are making their money on tours as opposed yeah. to through record sales or selling merchandise on tours i think yeah. even more so i think like the well, it's obviously the same thing, but people assume that people make their money on tour by selling tickets, which they do to a degree. But the real money, if you're a la- if you're a successful band, is in selling merchandise on the tour. Yeah, know? right. Yeah. Wow, yeah. and that must have changed obviously a lot since yeah. 1980 when you when you oh, began. Incredibly, yeah. Through to 2018. Yeah, and then yeah, in the, in the 90s things could change completely. Completely, yeah. I think which well, interesting. It was it's. I was gonna say is you can't really make a living doing music anymore. I mean, yeah, there are ways if you're if you're lucky, but it's way more luck. But you have to be doing something else as well. I mean, I, I'm lucky in the sense of I've been doing it long enough and I've built this reputation now, or I've uh, that through my work, people have heard about me and I occasionally get paid work to work on a movie or something you know I do a remix and I get paid so I can make some money that way but actually as far as as far as releasing albums and things I just I, I actually refer to them as glorified business cards you know they're, right. very, they're very expensive <laughs> business cards that's what they are you know because yeah. you don't actually make any money on the, on the albums anymore and there was a time you could of course and that's all very well and good for somebody who's been doing it for decades and can maybe get some work elsewhere here and there but you know the people like myself when I was starting I mean you can't do that anymore when I started and my peers were you know you would do release an album you would sell enough you didn't have to sell many you sell a thousand or so and you could fund the next one and then you know in the next one you sl- you could get, gather some momentum and you could keep going but you can't you know anybody up and coming now you'll release an album you won't sell any certainly not enough to make it worthwhile and you've heard over the years, hearing more, more and more stories of, of people who would have been on the same path, you know, career path, you know, or the creative path, just gave up just at the beginning because it just isn't, they just say they can't do it. How, how do you, how you spend all your money recording an album, for example, or making a movie, of course, which is incredibly much more expensive, and you've spent all the money, you've pulled in all kind of favors, you've borrowed money, etc. And you don't. Not only do you not make a profit, but you lose a lot. You lose a lot. So who's going to do that a second time? You, well, you yeah. can do it a second time. <laughs> You've already used up all your favors. You've already used up all the money you could you could borrow. You know, who's going to borrow you more money because they're not. They didn't. You know. Be, anyway, so people are just giving up. You know? mm, I guess you kind of border into that 
very definition of madness being doing yeah. the same thing yeah. over and over and expecting a different result. Well, there's there's two sides to that coin, you know, because I think now with uh, you're talking about streaming and you know all the digital distribution. Now, you c- anybody can just pretty much grab any th- any piece of music over the last you know, you know going back to the 1920s, wherever you can grab it within minutes, you know, because mostly most people do that for free, you know, with not just streaming but with uh, with torrents and stuff. So, so n- which is a good thing. I mean, that's a, okay. Let's go back. <laughs> with um, people can grab just pretty much anything, any piece of music. You know, th- oh, millions of pieces of music. So that's a good thing as far as music being heard. But what's the downside of that? There's no money for people to start. You know, but it's fine as far as the audience is concerned because it's like, okay, yeah, we have millions of songs we we don't necessarily need anymore. And of course, we could. It's you know, it's subjective, and there's an argument as to whether do we actually need more money or not, um, new music or not. I mean, that's yeah. Uh, but the thing is that there's less and less new things coming. Yeah. 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 So you grew up in in a, a rural part of yeah, Wales. Yeah, small town in Wales. Yeah. Okay. And w- did you feel as though this is here's the segue? Uh-huh. The uh, did you feel as though you know your kind of uh, artistic eccentricities were uh, nurtured in that environment, or did you feel like you needed to to leave? Oh to well, no, no was the the easy answer. Not right. at all. Yeah, uh, quite the opposite. Yeah, I think most people. Yeah, well, where I came from, you know, when I was in school, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. You know, when it, what are you going to do when you grow up? I don't want to really want to do anything, you know, because all around you, people are growing up and getting mortgages, getting jobs as bricklayers or carpenters, or they're working in a factory or in a car mechanic. You know, nothing wrong with any of those jobs, but but that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to do any of those things. Mm. So... When you know, but you know, when you kind of, that's just my dog, I think. <laughs> when you're, uh, when you want to do something, well, I think I'm going back to my early teens, early to mid teens. You know, you, when you want to do something creative. But at that time, I didn't know I want, you know, quote unquote, I wanted to do something creative. I, I didn't really know what I want. I just, I, without really knowing it, I was creative, and I needed to, needed to come out somehow. So the idea of all these other jobs, you know, I would, you know, at the time, I'd think of them, think of them as dead end jobs or whatever but you know of course they're not I mean I'm not being dis- disrespectful at all to any of those professions but, but for me it didn't seem the right where I was headed so when I'm sh- showing interest in my teens about wanting to do things like music or wherever or actually go to art school or something it was just like well, you know you, you, you don't quite get support for doing ca- that kind of stuff because it's just people think it's really stupid and you need to get you need to get you sit get together and grow job. up get real yeah. get real and get a real job you know that's pretty much what it was like do you remember the first time that you played music or performed music or even listened to music mm-hmm. that and you had that feeling like this is this is what I want to be doing uh, no I never yeah, well I think for me I, kinda, I stumbled early, uh, well, we can we can elaborate on this shortly but I literally stumbled into it I didn't actually plan it I just ended up doing it so uh but I remember, I don't remember what age, but I remember in my, probably, I'm assuming my early teens, like early, early teens, or maybe actually early, earlier than that. But I remember hearing things on the radio that were different. I remember Joe Meek had a few, you know, Telstar, and there used to be the TV show, and everybody now, now, knows now Doctor Who, and, and it would be all these synth, well, Joe Meek was in synths, it was like all these manipul- manipulating sounds with delays. But I would, occasionally I would hear something, and I'd always liked sounds, I'd always been interested in sound, but at an early age I remember some things really standing out because they were different and they're being really interested why is that and not knowing and then you know 
growing up, you know, going into my teens, enjoying a lot of that stuff, but not really knowing how it was made, but really liking that it was being made by somebody and being intrigued by it all. And uh, but see what happened with me? I did. I ended up going to art school because I, I, when I was in school, I was really good at art, and I could, I could get into art school. So I went mainly not necessarily. Well, I wanted to do something creative. And I guess art was create. You know, let's go that way. <laughs> and because music, I couldn't play any any instruments or anything, and I wasn't really doing it. I was listening to music, but I wasn't making any. So I went to art school mainly to delay this. You know, actually going out into the real world. You know, I mean, if if you went to school, you went to school for four or five years. Well, that's another four or five years. You don't actually have to get a real job. You know. So I went, but when I got there, it was kind of obvious it wasn't really the place for me I didn't hmm. I didn't fit in yeah I didn't like them and you know I didn't it was I was talking to this uh, somebody a few days ago who'd been to art school too but talking about uh, there's uh, this big push for you to express yourself and be yourself but the one I went to anyway it was it was very regimented and very conservative and it was very like oh no that's not how you do it well you know what the hell am I yeah I wanted to learn technique and uh, you know learn new skills or polish things but I was just being told it was a very narrow definition of what you could and couldn't do, and I kind of, I kind of, I responded to that, shall we say? <laughs> and then we had a, we had a, we had a, we had a meeting. We had a, we mutually agreed that I should leave, so I left that school. And but was, but it was that was during that period. That was about 1977, 76, And what was going on then in Britain was uh, punk was happening. It was. Literally, punk was little. It was, you know, as you know, some people aren't aware of this. So, you know, some people are still dressing that way. But punk literally lasted a year. It was seventy six, seventy seven, and then it was over. It became popular later, and and some it got watered down and copied. But what was really going on? The exciting stuff was just that, just that year. The really, politically, you know, what was the world catching? After that, it was all. It became a uniform. You know what I mean? Yeah, people, right. You know, not just. Uh, not just clothing uniform, but also the style. It became a style. You know, you had to. It, mm. it had to be like this in order to be punk and that kind of stuff. And also, Which is kind of antithetical to all the exactly. Whole point. All is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was over once. You know, and all the people who were doing their interesting stuff had moved over, moved on to doing something, you know, experimenting in a different way, or or being polit. You know, taking the following the political path or whatever. But also at the same time was. Uh, industrial music the original industrial music was happening which I found very interesting and uh, uh, there was the first Throbbing Gristle album which is the guys who started the whole and I, and I really liked what they were doing and I started writing to them and they would, we would start writing back and forth and uh, I would go to their shows and really enjoy that and I got talking to them and you know, I think over a year or two they got to know them quite well and they said well why aren't you doing this and I go oh yeah. <laughs> well you know I mean I'm, I don't do this I just listen to people like you and they well you know you can do it too because we you know they got to know me and they go well you have obviously have something of a I can't, I'm paraphrasing but it was something like well obviously you have a personality maybe they were I don't know if that was everything maybe they were being sarcastic or something <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's that you know you, you can do this too and they go oh yeah they, it was like oh well it's kind of obvious when somebody points out well yeah of course I can you know and then I started playing around myself with making sounds and those guys asked if they, they wanted to hear it and I had when I was you know, I didn't have any equipment didn't have any money in it so I would just improvise you know buy borrow steel and you know use use whatever literally use whatever was on hand and then they asked they wanted to hear it which was interesting the fact that anybody and I played to them oh this is good you know and they, sat, they told some of their friends about it and the next thing I knew somebody else had been mentioning to it and then I 
a small label at the time said, hey, we should release this. You know, it, was, it wasn't me wanting to make an album. It was somebody saying, hey, we should do an album. I'm like, oh, really? And then, uh, so I did an album and it sold out and, you know, it was like 500 copies, which is more than enough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're probably going to be sitting around for years, you think, but no, it sold out pretty quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, the second pressing sold out. Oh, you know, so. So you thought can, you had something. Well, no, that's actually what's, it's, during that time, it was this. Oh, Rio Thromagrisla was introduced to this band SPK from Australia, from uh, Sydney, I think, at the, at the time. And because uh, they were, they were saying, "Well, you guys need to know each other because you're all kind of crazy and you all you'll understand each other. You guys, you need, you guys should meet because you're you're on the same page." So we got to be friends with them, and then I, you know, then I was asked to join the band and get involved, which I did. A lot of the time, I was behind the scenes, and then there was. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think. I, I, you know, I'm going to have to look it up, but I think it feels like it was a couple of years after my, maybe a year. Well, at the time when you're in your 20s, a year seems like a long time anyway, so maybe maybe it's only a year, but it feels like a couple of years. <laughs> but uh, I was on a tour with uh, with SPK and Tracy was, was with me. We were, in, uh, we were in Switzerland backstage and these kids were, you know, kids. These guys are, you know, all these kids, they were 18 and 19, they were there, huge fans of the band, and they were hanging out backstage and they were talking and t chatting with them and they were kind of, in the course of the conversation, some roundabout way, they they realized that I'm the guy who's this nickname, must mod this album. And they go, oh, wow, you did that album, that's a great album, wow. You know, wh when's the next one coming out? And I was going, and I remember it was a, an epiphany for me because I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do another one sometime. But I just realized that, just like I, I am with some music, I'm waiting for, I hope that band does another one and we're looking forward to the next project or then a filmmaker's next movie. You realize, oh wow, people are actually, there are some people out there who are waiting for me to do my next one. And so I, I suppose I should get around to doing that, you know, because <laughs> I was busy doing other stuff, you know, being SPK and stuff. And they're, oh, I suppose I should actually get around to doing that rather than just talking about it. And also, oh, you kind of yeah, people are waiting for it. I suppose it's, it should really be better than the first one. You know? Right. <laughs> it must be like a, a very gratifying sort of feeling or, or mm. moment when that when that happens. Mm. I guess particularly at a time where there's not that kind of instant access. So it's oh, exactly, like the music yeah. actually has to travel. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not just like I'm going to log on. Well, to people it. often ask me why why I chose the name Lust Mod for my project. Well, the reason I chose that name is the way it looked. I wanted something that looked that scanned well, you know, like you look at it, you go, oh, it'd be intriguing. You know, so not thinking that years later you'd still be using it or it would be used in Germany, you know, you'd be playing live in Germany and stuff like this. But uh, I just wanted something that looked good. I mean, not look, look good, just not just uh, aesthetically, but, you know, it was like, what is this? This is intriguing. And so I chose that name because I knew that it would be like this, you'd, you wouldn't get played on the radio or, or you know, it, it, it would, Somebody might see it in a record store, or I'll see it in a magazine. This, this, this word. What, what is that? Because you know? I'd sometimes be intrigued by things like that. You know, so, mm. so uh, yeah. But because as you said, it was, it wasn't an instant. It would be a period, You know, it was literally word of mouth. And of course, sometimes word of mouth takes a while, especially when you're talking about certain kinds of things where are more, for want of a better term, on the fringe. There's a fewer. There's only a certain kind of people that are going to be interested. So the the there's less mouth, mouths to pass it on to you know yeah, yeah. well I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have suspected that it was going to be played on mainstream radio hell no yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so was the next album that you made as last mord after that was that heresy 
No, that was the third one. The second one was Paradise Disowned when I was starting to find my sound. I was looking for, you know, because the first album, early on, like most people, you know, you, you sound like the people who influence you, you know. I was trying to f find my own. Well, I wasn't so much trying to find my own sound. Actually, what, what, the, what was happening was that one of the main reasons I was doing music was I wasn't hearing the stuff I really wanted to hear. You know, they didn't exist. So, okay, you're going to... I'll just make my own, you know, you know, for my own. Well, not for, I was going to say for my own own amusement, but which I guess, you know, but it's more my own enjoyment, I guess. I'll just uh, just have, you know, I'm not already hearing this sound, so I'll create it. And it took it was the, this Heresy album you just mentioned. That was the third one. That's when I finally everything. You know, I was I was working on it, but that one that's that's the sound I was trying to get. And for me, the irony of, of that is when I you finally get this sound that you've always this doesn't exist so I'm, I'll create it myself and of course once you've done it I don't know about you but I think most creative people you don't watch your own movies you don't listen to your own music so it's kind of irony that I create <laughs> these I don't go back listening to them or anything you know? yeah. but it's, the, it's actually the, it's, the, it's not even uh, the recording part is kind of boring I, I refer to that as just digging having to get down and dig the trench it's the it's the conceptual side I really like planning them out and I get really energised you know with the, on the idea side so yeah, no, I definitely mm -hmm. feel that, particularly when I, like, go to write, like, if I'm writing a script or yeah. something, if I'm working outside of the documentary world, and you kind of have that inceptive sort of moment where you're like, yeah, this is going to be, this is a, an idea that I am very connected to creatively, yeah. and then it just kind of pours out. Yeah. And then, um, then, but then for me, anyway, all the doubt starts to creep in, and the, all the kind of uh, existential sort of... <laughs> uh monkey mind sort of stuff yeah. starts starts playing but how how did you find that you were evolving your sound from that kind of from the first album through to heresy mm. um how you know was it was it just a lot of trial and error was no that's funny because like uh, no it's interesting because people are, you know in the past people have wanted to release you know, compilations of unreleased material i don't have any i just record you know I plan it out and I record it, you know. So there are, you know, but the but the trial and error thing is, I I plan it to be a certain way, and then I just and I literally roll up my sleeves and dig that trench, you know. And then it's all I know where it's going to go. I know where the, you know, I've already laid down the blueprint of what how long the trench is going to be, you know, how deep, all that kind of stuff, you know. So, but uh, but for me, it was uh, it was just to do with technology. I just uh, an ability, you know. I didn't. I'm not a non-musician. I can't play anything. But of course, this more it's more of a sound design thing anyway so how do you do that i don't know you just you you kind of you don't so much how figure out how to do it you just create your own way of doing it and it's and like i said you know like early i think early on for me just speaking, just speaking personally i was trying to get there so i was using technology i was you know i ended up buying a, a synth and i would loan equipment and stuff and you know effects and things to try and get this out but of course what but that yeah, that wasn't really as I thought that's the way I would get there but I was, those things were just getting in the way because that's not the sound I, w I, w I was looking for a much more organic sound and it's only a few years later when uh, I think Heresy was like it was the very early days of uh, I had an Atari computer and sampling and stuff and now I could actually manipulate audio which is what I that's the sound that's where that sound came from not just not on synthesizers and guitars or effects so there's a lot of effects but actually taking an audio and in my head, saying, "Well, if I manipulate this in a certain way, it's gonna, it's gonna result in this sound, and I can combine it with that, that these other manipulated sound, and that will create, th that that will then create the 
everything that I wanted, which is so, which is why I was doing what I was doing in that period. So for me, it was more to do with the technology actually evolving, so it was possible basically. It must be like it must be sort of as you're describing that. I'm I'm thinking about you know in I see like things in images and lights mm-hmm. and. Uh, I could imagine that for you, and probably particularly at that point in time, the way that your ear is kind of tuned into things mm-hmm. would be unique in the sense that you're constantly looking for those or hearing those sort of sounds and the ways that they well, can Well, not be. even looking, quite, you know, like I think maybe for you too, it's more like actually just hearing things. Ah, yeah. being inspired by, oh, hey, that sound, you know, if I did that to that, such and such of that sound, it's going to be really cool, you know, and you have a, re- it's a, it's a gut feeling. Also, you, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to describe, I guess. But it's also like people, you know, well, not, you know, not people in general, but like some people, like a few people, are really intrigued as to how I get my sounds, and it's really mundane and it's really simple. The process is very easy, you know. And then, and I'm more happy to, to share it with me. It's not like a big secret. I think it's obvious. It's obvious stuff, and it's not even that hard. But it's and then it's fu- it's funny. Cause some people will ask me about like a a specific sound like from you know that sound from 1985 how did you make it like what you know i don't actually i don't actually remember <laughs> what, how the hell i mean i don't even i don't remember my track people refer to track titles from that period i have no i have to go i have to go and i have to look it up you know because but yeah you know, people will ask for a specific sound and i'll you know i just quite generally, I don't remember and then like, oh you look at this oh you're being so secretive and like well, no just <laughs> i you know if i could remember i'm more than happy to, to show people how i did it but what's really interesting when you do show people you know the people trying to copy it quite often or do it something similar and uh you can show people the process but what you can't do is tell them why you know you can do this this and this and get this kind of bass sound now if you t- treat it in a certain way it'll be a really good bass sound if you treat it differently it won't be so good or then you get four or five two dozen variations of the kind of good one but one will be really good you know and that's one you use well it's kind of obvious which one is the really good one but quite often people will choose when the, you know there'll be a half-assed version or they won't do the they'll just do something and get something close well no that's a kind of half-assed rather shitty sound sounding thing why why you know i, I can tell you i can tell you how, how but it's, it's for me it's an, it's an aesthetic thing it's obvious why you would choose this over that or for you that camera angle over that or that lens or you know that that combination of lighting with this setup or whatever it's kind of obvious because you that's the you weren't going for a specific look but some people will use the same tools and come up with something that's really shitty you know actually i haven't seen your shots they could be shitty as well for <laughs> for i know but but you know what I mean there's you, it's funny because you can you can tell you can show tell people show people how but you can't you can't help them choose the right well it, I, I was going to say choose the right thing because it's not a right thing it's a Again, I've used this word a few too many times today, maybe, but it's subjective. You just, that's, to me, that's the obvious thing to choose. And I put it together with that thing. It's kind of obvious. It's like the funk, you know. If you have the funk, you you, know, you can get on, no, not, not comparing my work to funk, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> but if you, you either have it, you don't, you, you can or you can't, you know, so. Yeah, there's a... Uh and it must have been an interesting uh, period as well as you're saying you're kind of creating this sound and this this uh, genre of uh, of of music and soundscape it must have been an interesting time because naturally if as it was becoming more successful there would have been people who were trying to imitate or leverage yeah. off yeah. the success of what you were doing i could imagine it could be potentially frustrating or 
Well, I find for me it's strange because you know, it became it became a genre, which is you know it's interesting. I'm raising an raise an eyebrow at that that you kind of, but uh, like I said, on this, it's it's for, in lot there there are people ended up copying that style, which is very flattering. But the thing is, a lot of I didn't find it very interesting what they, people would do, and I, it's not the kind of thing I would listen to. I'd listen to things that have a groove and stuff, you know. Which is going back to what I just said about not listening to my own work because it didn't exist. And then, uh, now there's other people creating the same thing, but I can't listen to their things anyway because I don't. A lot of the time, I just don't think it's very interesting. Mm. But but what happened later on is it it became uh, like a style people would use in movies to a degree but also in video games and things and they would get people you know I've, I've spoken to people involved where somebody on the creative side would be working on something using my music as their reference and, and the stuff they would have there uh, as they were working on a project and then they come to an end wanting to bring me in to, to do the re- actual music but then the powers that be the people with the money say no we'll we'll get somebody else and they'll give them a big check to copy my thing, and I go, well, what? You know, what the fuck? Then you just come to, you know, yeah. that, that's happened quite a few times, and that's really frustrating because I, fucking, I do that stuff. That's what I do. I, I, you know, that's you know, just come to me, and I can do it. You know, I can do it for you. So why the hell would you go pay somebody else more to get them to do? It? Well, usually, well, usually, well, when the people are getting paid more to do it, it's because it's a, there's a name and they want the, the name. Yeah, right. It's a, but they were just referencing, yeah, what you're yeah, doing, yeah. What was it like when you first uh, were brought a film uh, to to collaborate on, and then I guess from there you started working in video games not too long after as well. Uh, video games are far, a few years later. It was well, I originally came over here. I was working for for a film composer as a sound designer. I was creating all the sounds and and then doing some of the additional music and stuff. But you know, I can't remember when the, I think I think the first thing I worked on fully like that was the crow which was an interesting movie and the mu- and the score was really and, and there was quite a lot of me in that but also it was a the backstory of that where brandon lee was was killed during yeah. the making of the movie so there was a real dark and fucked up. yeah it was a really weird project to be on because you know it was a really interesting movie i mean it's you know it's it's not gr- it was a good movie i mean it's I not great it. yeah it's, it it, yeah had it's uh it was well intentioned you know I mean, it's like it was i actually like it too i mean it's some of the things have become a cliche sense because it's been copied but I mean it wasn't it it it's was hard a, to dissociate as well yeah. from from what the circumstances exactly randomly yeah. dying yeah. on yeah. the set are as well I, yeah except Alex the director was around and you know he'd come around but the, yeah he's a really nice guy a really really good filmmaker but you know just the whole thing everything to do with the movies but this guy's put, you know the, the star is dead so the, it's not like a fun project you know what i mean it's a, it, was a, yeah. it was a it was a dark movie already right. but this that made it the whole process whole, so that was that was my f- first so that was interesting yeah but of course what happened at that you know we were working about seven or eight movies a year and most of them were just shit you know <laughs> so yeah. that's the that's the thing but i mean it's like oh yeah you're working the movies yeah but a lot of them are just, which is really interesting you know i i have a my resume or i, I have have a have a, a file the resume you know, when he was with when you have talking with people about getting some work but the file is called the bullshit because it is just <laughs> bullshit you know because you know on paper pardon the pun the uh my my resume is quite impressive because i worked on these movies you know there quite, quite a few blockbuster number ones or, but yeah but it was it was a shit movie yes it was number one at the box office but but for a weekend you know it was it was they spent a lot of money promoting it. People went to see it. It went to number one because it was a really quiet weekend that weekend. Hmm. People saw it. 
so, thought it was shit, told their friends it was shit, and the following weekend <laughs> it was gone. You know what I mean? So just the fact that it's yeah, you have a movie that's that's been you know, successful, quote unquote, doesn't mean that this was any good. And of course, it means you you are working on a lot of stuff that's actually quite crap. But I guess yeah. it's but, uh, but it's work, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a work. Mm, it's mm. you know, going back to one of the sort of original points about you know how do how do you make a living as an artist? Yeah when you're just compelled to create i suppose having those different kind of um tentacles or facets well exactly or you can still you can still you can stay sane which is funny i should say that because what i was saying earlier on about being crazy but you know what i mean you can <laughs> in your own mind at least in your own in your own way you can keep sane and by actually being creative even if you're working on something that's not totally satisfying at least you're creating you're not actually doing something that would really crush you you know like you know so you do have an outlet and you're actually getting paid so you can you can actually pay the rent and put some food on the table you know did you find the process uh different when you, it came to starting to work on video games as opposed to film oh well uh, from a technical point of view it's well it's similar but it's very it's very different you know it's i'll get back to that in a second but of course you know, i did also work on some really good movies as well the most thing in the role shit. but the thing is a lot of the time you know it's a job you know what i mean it's like i remember the, remember when we started working the movie there were some people commenting oh you sold out you're like what do you mean you sold out you know if i worked in the shoot store you wouldn't sell it you know <laughs> it's a job you know, and also i never sold in to start with so what the hell yeah you know, anyway <laughs> uh, but were you, sorry, what was your question? I just, uh, just about the process and the difference between. Well, the biggest difference, the big difference with uh, video games and, or, you know, this is a simplified version of uh, video games and film is if you're doing music for a scene in the movie, like the example I use, you know, somebody walks into a room, that's the beginning of the scene, there's going to be music for the scene until either the person walks out of the room again or something happens in that scene and the music is no longer required. So the music starts, it goes on for this length of time, it follows the beat to what's happening on screen and it ends at a, you know, at a, at an action, like a, somebody leaving the room or something profound is said. Where, you know, there's a tempo, there's a beginning and an end, so there's an overall length and you write a piece of music that, that long, has the tempo of what's going on visually on the screen and that's it. But on a game... If somebody using the similar uh, example walks into a room, the player can walk into a room and they can walk straight out again. Or they could go in there and they could tinker about in that room for a long, long time. So if you, you know in the in the movie scene, there might be a one minute, 15 second piece of music. Well, if it's a one minute, 15 second piece of music and the player walks in and walks out again, and the music keeps on going, that's going to doesn't work and also if the player stays in the room for five minutes or 15 minutes, the music is, needs to still go on, but finished a long time ago so what do you do with game music you slice everything up to to tiny fractions of second length sections and that's literally shuffled by the game engine so we have to write music so it can be chopped up and then shuffled and still and appear to be an ongoing piece of music that changes and evolves all the time so it's really from a technical point it's very different but also it's, it's it's quite can be quite challenging. Yeah. I imagine, yeah, the kind of the mindset is completely different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you can write a f- piece of music that's actually four minutes long, but and you, you could play for twenty, thirty minutes, and ideally, you don't. It's not repeating the same two minutes over and over. It's it's slightly different. You know, it just keeps on going in a different way. Yeah, but you still want to create something that's going to evoke a certain mood yeah, or a certain yeah. ambience or feeling. And it does have an end. You know, the thing is, so if somebody, if the player does something there's triggers in the software or the engine of the game so if the player for example leaves the room there'll be a trigger that will 
in the soft in the engine that will bring bring up the last bit the end of the music you know, so, so it doesn't just stop it'll have an it has a written ending you know. mm. Mm. so while you're doing this i guess kind of feeding or supporting your habit of you know uh, don't forget i also have a wife that works all these years so that tell you know right. the thing about being being creative and stuff there's a lot of the time you're not making any money or not enough money to so, you know it helps if you're in the really any, yeah. any kind of relationship but there's also another person yeah. with an income you know that's, that's the only income. that's the only way to survive really yeah, yeah right mm. how did you guys meet we met in a bar <laughs> we literally met in a bar was that in uh, los angeles no in wales we've been together for 34 years so wow tracy was in uh, in the bar with her friends and me and my friend Nigel now deceased unfortunately but anyway we were there and we saw that they had drinks and we were trying to steal their drinks because <laughs> I think yeah, a bottle of vodka I think it was because yeah. we were so cheap you know, we were we were just cheap and like a bunch of we'd, it was a student town so we were always taking, taking advantage of the not in that way but you're taking advantage of the students because they're kind of gullible and yeah. you know, and you steal their drinks you know but the, these girls we, well, we also give them shit but Tracy and her friends gave us shit back with oh <laughs> they're actually quite cool yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and now Tracy is very fond of reminding me and these when he tell this anecdote is that ended, we ended up buying them drinks by the end of the night right but yeah so then, you got played uh, yeah we got play, yeah <laughs> 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 it, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. even vodka it was water all yeah yeah we met <laughs> up this corners that we met in a bar and like I said we've been together for 34 years so it works that's pretty incredible how have you found because i could imagine you know or i I know that navigating relationships can be very challenging when you work in creative fields if you're out on tour or if you're working long hours well we tend to do things together don't we chase you know we're like people that watch the big or we're best friends you know so we tend to well, like, you know, Trace will come. I felt like I was in Ohio a couple of weeks ago doing a show. Trace didn't come with me because she, she had not particularly, she was working and not particularly, you know, no offensive Ohio. You weren't particularly interested in going to Ohio. But generally speaking, she'll come with me, you know, like went to Australia. She's been with me twice. Or with Trace's working, she works in special effects. She goes by herself because it's, you know, her, it's her work that's sending and it's the client that's paying for it. But, uh, those times are the only times we do, we do things separately but we generally we, we're friends we'd like to do things together so so we tend to accommodate you know we don't you know, for us at least the way it works is that we don't the other person is included you know yeah i think yeah having that kind of uh, that baseline friendship is the cornerstone of good well, relationships yeah, yeah if you're not, or if you're not best friends or yeah i don't know if you're not best friends with the person you're with, well, you know, what, no, I was going to say, why are you with them anyway? But I don't want people <laughs> listening to this to go, because oh, I've had this conversation with more than one person and they go, oh, and they think about it. And then a few months later, they find that you find out they've split up. <laughs> but well, it's true though. I mean, it's like, well, if you're I, not best friends, you know. It's, I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, if this is the person that you're going to be spending, yeah. you know, your life with and most of your time with, you would certainly hope that you would have... Very yeah. strong friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's built on friends. You're, you're friends. You have fun together. You you want to do things together because you you want your friend to be. Yeah, it's yeah. more fun to do things with your friends, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I guess you get to a certain point in your career where you start to choose the people that you're collaborating with or the projects that you yeah. actually want to work on, as opposed to just trying to create. Well, for me, the, the well, the. the there's two things that we, you know, the people, yeah, yeah, I've always, 
try to choose the people I work with, but of course, the projects, you know, it's, well, as you know, because you, you, I know you do the whole, this whole podcast on creativity and creative people, because at the end of the day, you do need to make money, you know, so I'm for, that's, the, that's the downside, quite often, quite often you do take projects you don't particularly want to, well, you know, not that you're above it or anything, but you'd rather be doing something else, but it's money, you know, you get paid, and it's, it's funny, it's uh, how life is, you know, we treat you, because a lot of the time, if you, you don't get any offers for, you know, you're kind of struggling for money or anything, there's nothing coming in, and then you'll finally get an offer for something you don't really want to do, it's kind of not really interesting, it might not even be, it might be crap project, and the money is not great, but at least it's something, you know, and if you take, as I'm sure you know, if you take that job within 24 hours, you'll probably get an offer for something much better for much better money, something you really wanted to do. That's that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the hell how it works, but that's how it works. Like so. Yeah, I I saw that uh, you did a job in um, two thousand and four. <laughs> was it with the Church of Satan? Two thousand and six. No, two thousand and no, it was six. Yeah. Yeah, two thousand. That was the whole point. That was the whole point of doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I saw a comment that you made that was like you, it was just too amusing or something oh, yeah. to turn down. Well, that's the thing. That's why I was correcting in the date. See, see I, I hadn't played live for 25 years. And for a few years, I've been talking about, oh, I should, I should really play live. I've been busy. I've been doing this film. There was no time. And also from a technology point of view, how the hell am I going to do what I do live? But slowly, those things were coming together. You know, there was getting more. And I was talking about doing it and just talking about doing it. And then... Church of Satan called up, literally called up and said, we're, we're doing this, what the hell do they call it? This ritual. It's uh, like a high mass or yeah, something. Yeah, I think it was members only. It's our 40th anniversary. We'd like you to do the music. The, the, money, the money was like nothing. You know, it wasn't, it was, wasn't something to do for the money because it just wasn't worth it. But it was, it was, you know, it was I raised an eyebrow. <laughs> and they wanted me to do the music and the thing, they were doing it on 6606, you know. So I thought, because I have this image, this dark thing, and I have this, you know, people. I have, oh, I have this image. Full stop. And I thought, well, geez, if I don't, if I don't play with Lust Mod, doesn't play on six, six, six. I mean, I'm never going to play it. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do it because it's just so. Well, it's just like Spinal Tap. You know, me doing a live first live show in 25 years on six, six, six. Come on, come on. That's, that's, how, that's perfect. You yeah. Know? So I'm going to have to. I mean, how can how can I say no to that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but you yourself are not a no, no. Or... I'm an atheist. I'm a kind of out, outspoken atheist. Right. Well, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I have strong opinions. But I mean, I have my viewpoints, my opinions, but I respect other people's opinions as long, and I'd like them to respect mine. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm an atheist. I've, so I've never needed any of that stuff. Right. So do you feel like uh, obviously there's there's no life beyond? this uh well i don't know I mean, beyond I mean, life i don't know I, I have no idea right it'd be nice to think there was because i mean it'd be nice to keep on having these wonderful thoughts of mine but yeah. i have i have no idea i mean it's do you feel uh, like there's a purpose to why we're doing what we're doing or do you feel well like again i have i have i have no idea so so yeah. one thing for me i like uh i i, I tend to look i don't want to get too pretentious right here well Good luck with that one, but uh, <laughs> I, I tend to think of things in, uh, on a cos- cosmic scale. You know, I mean, like I really, I am, I find it really interesting. Our place, our place. You know, the, it's hard, you know, the, using the language around things. We, we're here. We we seem to because we can go into the whole philosophical side. Do we actually exist? Is, uh, is everything my, in my imagination? You know, all those things. But let's put that aside for now. We, we, let's let's agree that we seem to be here. We are here. We're on this planet, and. 
which is really interesting. Yeah. So there, there's a whole bunch of things going on as far as, well, are we, are we the only specimen in the universe? In which case it's, it's mind boggling. And if we're not, that's also pretty mind boggling. But for me, when you step back from that stuff and just the scale, and if I talk about, I've done an album with only using, using only the sounds from space. And I was, these wow. are, and these are kind of ideas I explore quite often is that, well, I think we, we're not capable, you know, you can talk about is there life after death and things, but also we can't, we don't know, you know, you can talk about it, you can think about it, you can, you can uh, come up with theories of some profound ideas of spiritual or some faith belief, but you don't know, you know, then there's no way of actually knowing, of oh, course, yeah, just waiting, I guess. <laughs> but when it, on a cos- cos- cosmic scale, we, 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 we can't, as a, as a species, we are incapable of comprehending the scale of these things, you know, there's the time involved it takes for things to travel, the, the distances involved in the universe, the size of the universe, the amount of things in the universe. We, 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 we can, in an abstract way, kind of come to terms, we, we, we make everything, we, over, we simplify things and make them very abstract in order to be able to, to not so much understand them, but to and process. Uh, yeah, yeah, to 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 live with it, I guess. Yeah. But when you really think about, we we're so uh, you know. So for me, it's not just a. You know, do we have a place? I mean, I, I, it seems unlikely to me. I mean, it's it's an interesting. I mean, I'm happy to talk. You know, just go down that route and, and talk about it. But I, you know, it seems unlikely. Because I, I think we. I think we're really insignificant is the way I'm thinking. And I think that's really, and it's really humble. I think it's it's not a bad thing. It's I think it's really humbling to think in that way. I think we're really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. If, even if there is, a, I'm using that, you know, I'm done. Well, I mean, I'm it not, helps you get on with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just get on with it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's pointless to me. It seems to me pointless to try and think, oh, you know, is there, is there, is, I mean, I can't, not only can we not answer those questions, I don't think we'll ever be able to answer those questions because there's a lot of the things are beyond this you know we just we're not, we don't have the ability we're we're, we're animals we you know we've only literally just stood up from the grass we we're everything about us psychologically and physically is to survive in a very specific environment the way our brain works the way we comprehend things is so that we can su- survive in a very specific environment and it's a very small environment and it's fairly very we like to think of ourselves as evolved we of course we're actually evolving and even after we've evolved, evolved much longer it's you know we still won't be able to comprehend these things because they're beyond us basically they'll always be beyond us i, I think that's and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that you know we, we've always a lot of people will sleep better at night trying not either not to think about those things or having faith in other other uh, explanations for these things but that, that's fine you know people like i said i don't need any i'm, I'm an i don't need to believe in a a, a, a a supreme being or a maker whatever you want to call it but uh, but some people do, and that, that's that's perfectly you know. That, well, of course, it's that right. I'm not going to criticize people, but I'm not just talking about you know the the Christian God thing for me. That all that stuff, the Christian you know the organized religion stuff for me is a bit troublesome. You know, it's well not troublesome. I think it's pretty negative. And uh, but you know, people if people want to believe there is a some kind of thinking behind it all, that's fu- you know, first of all they have every right to and secondly I, I certainly can't say there isn't yeah. mm, I suppose whatever helps people sleep better well, at night course, like yeah, you say yeah. um, but I think like you say there is something that's very humbling about uh, acknowledging and accepting the insignificance of mm-hmm. like I mean recording this podcast well, exactly, what, what's, yeah. what's oh, this, uh, this going to be put, put, put your, put your downer, <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but, but uh, no I think it's I don't think it's a downer I think it's I, I, I was being uh, 
yeah, yeah. I was being amusing. Well, yeah. I think it, it. I think it's healthy in myself actually to be aware. Look, you know, we, you know, that it, it's interesting. We've always, again, going back as you know, we like to think of ourselves at the center of everything. You know, in our, we've totally fucked up this world. You know, by being really selfish and everything. But we're, we're okay. We the way we treat the planet, the way we treat other other animals is is, is awful. But we we always talk, we always we all have this self importance. Everything ro- revolves around us. You know, it doesn't. You know, not 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 by a long stretch. You know. Mm. Uh, how did you manage to get s- sounds from space to create that album that you were talking that you were referencing? It was, uh, you know, gr- gr- growing up and li- living in Britain, and like, we've talked, uh, mentioned Tracy before, like we were living together. And this is uh, this is an idea that I always come. Uh, I talk about con- concept, how I really enjoy the conceptual side of it, and then then the actual the dreary bit is putting it not dreary. That's over. It, yeah, it's kind of boring, <laughs> laborious. Yeah, laborious. Thank you. That's perfect. Laborious pro- part is actually putting it all together. I've always wanted. I had always wanted. I can't tell you where the, when an idea came from, but I've always, as far back as I remember, I had this idea of doing. It would be great. Being interested in these subjects, it'd be great to to record, to have access to those sounds and doing something with them. You know, in that idea. You know in an ideal world the whole album but how the hell do you do that you know like especially when you're living in Britain and we're aware like uh, that NASA had sent out the Voyager probes and they were doing you know had recordings on those but they also re- they were all also recording sounds of the solar system as they were heading out are aware of, the, of those things but how yeah how the hell do you get those things I mean this is NASA this is other side of the world we can't just call those people up and ask can, oh hey can you send us those sounds <laughs> I've been living here, I think it was about six or eight months we were living in Los Angeles and having this conversation with Trace again. It would crop up every now and again. You know, we hang out, like we talk, we talk, chit chat about things and this, you know, we probably saw some documentary or whatever it came from, the conversation going again. And Tracy was saying, well, we're living in LA now and isn't Jet Propulsion Labs here in, in LA? You know, they're the ones who are responsible for the Voyager and the tracking these things. So maybe, you know, they're probably in the phone book. Yeah, really? You know, you know, so we'll often get there in the white pages and sure enough that there's a phone number in the phone book. So I, I called them up you know, and said, I know you have, I know you, you know, being in America, you have to say things like guys, I know you guys have been recording sound from space. Is there any way of, how do, does one go about getting, getting hold of those? And I was told to hang on for a while. You know, this is like a, passed me on to somebody else, and I waited for a while, quite a while actually, quite a few minutes. And then eventually, somebody picked up the phone in the right department, and then I was, and they were like, "What are you looking for exactly?" Well, I'm looking for sounds recorded in space, and started to tell, started to tell them what I was looking for. Oh, oh yeah, we have some of that stuff. Yeah, what's your address? And like, give me your address. And a few days later, a box arrived on the doorstep with all these cassettes of. Huh. So, that's incredible. Yeah, and they sent me the original tapes too. It wasn't even copies; they was just sent me the originals. <laughs> and I was asking them on the phone about because I knew, and they said they used to record them on uh, laserdisc because we used to buy movies on laserdisc. So we're familiar with the form. I didn't know that there was such a thing as re-recordable laserdiscs, but that's what they were doing. They were recording on laser, and when they after the like, the, the collection would get full, they would go over them again. So they were just you know, so just imagine that for the whole SETI thing, there was a message from from a far-flung far civilization they've just erased it and recorded <laughs> something else over it that's kind of which is funny I like yeah, but it, was, uh, it would be ironic but I, I, I've used that term uh, irony is kind of life is full of irony and I'm kind of amused by the whole thing oh I love irony yeah, irony is my favorite I'm a, I'm thing a big, I'm a big fan well yeah. no sometimes yeah, irony can be a, a bitter bitter pill uh, yes yeah, but uh, but even that's ironic yeah <laughs> blah 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 <laughs> 
But uh, that's how we start. And then with these with these tapes, and there were some of them were really good. But they were around were cassette, and they needed cleaning up. And then why did gradually reached out and trying to find more, and then I got better quality. Well, this you know uh, just digital recordings, and it took over a long period, long pretty many years. I got enough to make an album. It must have been pretty mind blowing to hear these sounds that were recorded. You know, well, some of them are just you know a lot of it is just noise. You know, like, yeah, right. you know, where you can hear them on the radio, like this white you know in between channel. A lot of it is just literally noise, and a lot of it's unpleasant. You know, like so. Yeah, but occasionally, but there are there's definitely you know some things are really nice pulses or there's nice washes or, or you know like yeah, um, some of them are really interesting textures, but a lot of it is just irritating. If I was a Japanese noise band, it would be perfect. You know, <laughs> you just play it out really loud, it would be that would be it. But uh, yeah, a lot of it is just well, it's all noise, obviously. But again, going back to I've said that a few times now. Going back to what I was commenting earlier about choosing things and the aesthetic of of filtering out well in some cases literally using a filter but like just like uh by going through things and you know putting some things aside as unusable and others again it's an aesthetic thing some people might enjoy you know an hour of just noise and stuff but there was <laughs> some people for, sleep with it yeah oh exactly <laughs> but uh but there are, there are there were some really interesting and i've got you know like pulsars and you know were really good and yeah I, yeah so it's it was an enjoyable process mm well, Brian, um, thank you so much for chatting with me uh, oh, yeah. on, and having a good old philosophical ramble. Okay, um, Trademark. Actually, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about one other uh, thing, and that was collaborating with uh, with Tool uh-huh. and what that process was like for you um, or if it was any different or if it was... Uh, well, it's interesting. It was... Uh, I mentioned... Uh, well, I, I, didn't, I, mean, I uh, obviously you know who they are and stuff, but it's... Uh, because we're living here in LA, we kind of knew of them. This is years ago, you know, dec- a couple of decades ago. We knew of them because they received car stickers with Tool on them. So we're this this rock band called Tool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> don't really don't really follow rock music, so I didn't really have much interest. But I'd seen the videos. And I really I was a big fan of the videos. And then out of the blue, I got an email from uh, Adam Adam Jones, who's the he, he was the main guy in the band. And he emailed me, like, I'm a, I'm a guitar player in this band called Tool, and we'd like to w- I'd like to work with you. And, and he came round. But a few couple of days later, and uh, I think I think Trace was no, I was by myself at the time, um, and he was here for about three or four hours. And we were just hanging, and we didn't talk about music at all. We were just talking because we we have a house full of toys. He's you know we talk about toys and comics and movies, which is that we just had so much in common. Yeah, and uh, we just became instant friends. And then he introduced me to the Malvins and stuff. I did an album with them, but what happened with Tool? It was really interesting with them at the time. Because uh, I was mentioned when I started and throbbing gristle and stuff, it was a really good time. It was a really good, healthy time. People were helping each other out. You know, like if uh, if you were working on stuff like I was and other people, you know, all of us, you you didn't have the right piece of equipment. Well, somebody would borrow you a drum machine or the right delay, or some people playing live and say, "Well, don't work with this person," or you know, give you a phone number or something else, and they would. They would bring in the you know, extended family. It wasn't like extended, you know, the people the, the whole industrial. There was a scene. It wasn't really a scene. It was just a bunch of outsiders and, and journalists would refer to it as a scene because all these people working were seemingly working together. Well, they kind of you were on the same side, even though you were doing different things. But a lot of it was just you know you were has, you were on the same side, so you'd help each other out. And the big you know, it was seen. It was seen. Oh, this bad, bad grammar. It was seen as a scene, which sounds really anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I, I guess it became one by default. But basically, it was just people. 
on the kindred spirits helping each other out, watching each other, uh, watching each other's back, which is really good. And what happened over time, some some people became very uh, competitive, you know, and then they're getting a little bit of success. I'm not talking about throwing readers, I'm actually thinking about SPK specifically, but a few other people who were like, then, oh, you know, they're kind of, oh, I'm not going to share with you because I'm mm. getting a bit successful. And I'm not gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to tell you how I got that. So people used to say, oh, how did you get that sound? Oh, I use such and such. Yeah. Now, oh, you know, I'm not going to tell you. And it was like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, he's stupid. And then they evolved, and that, the same thing happened with punk and that. But it, and it was just early on, it was it was a good, healthy thing. And then it became the same old crap. Then fast forward years later, meeting Tool and getting involved in and getting to know them as people, seeing them bring their friends on and support back. It was exactly the same. It was really, that's the main thing I got from meeting, working with those guys. It was, it was really nice to go back to people actually helping each other out and you know doing it for all the right reasons which is yeah and that, they were they were one of those people i was thinking of when i was mentioning earlier about success and and fortune you know those guys be, became really successful by being re by being really good but also being really good they've become financially successful but because you know not by being assholes but being actually being good people you know which is so it is possible you know yeah well that's very nice to hear that they're good people oh very good people uh but uh on the creative side it was just like really i mean i i wasn't like i wasn't that familiar with i was a fan of the videos i was you know uh, and then getting to know adam who made who directed the videos and it was interesting going not only were they really easy to work with but they also asked me they asked me to remix them there i, was, I think i'm the only person who's remixed them and I, I wanted to do certain things and I was going to have fun with it doing like these big dub remixes but they said no we want you to do your thing because we want our fans to hear you yeah. that's how they think they wanted the whole reason they were getting me to, to work with them well one well they like my they wanted my sound to be part of some of the things they were doing but a big motivation for them is they have this big following and they wanted their following to hear the things that they like you know, so they were very insistent no when you, you want, we want you to sound like you yeah yeah because we want other people to hear it and and you know see that we approve as a way not approve but they wanted to share with their fans which is really, you know we're very giving yeah, yeah. No, that's it's incredibly generous and i mean i guess they're a great example of a band who don't just create for the sake of creating you know they no. i mean they haven't released an album in 13 years and so they're you know they they only want to create when they feel compelled oh, exactly, to, yeah. to make the music yeah when they have something to say, they say it. Yeah. yeah. And they take their time. Now they really take their time to get it right. To, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was really rewarding working with them because not only, well, I became, uh, you know, right, hearing their work, oh, wow, that's actually quite good. You know, technically, you know, it's actually good. And then uh, it was funny when we went to a show because they, they play live, you know, so they played live in LA and they, they put us on the guest list. And we went down there, and it was in some, and it was a, it was a, a staple center. It's like eighteen thousand, and they sold out in, in an hour or so. And two nights sold out. We go, oh. so we kind of, these guys have been hanging out. We go there, it's <laughs> packed, and people are crying and stuff. And then we go, oh, we're looking around, eighteen thousand people screaming their heads off, and they go, oh, yeah, I guess they're I guess they're <laughs> successful. <laughs> Because they know what they're doing. Yeah, but also we just knew we knew they were successful. But we just knew the most friends. These, these friends we used to go around, you know, go over to the house and for, for barbecue and stuff yeah, like just that. Just normal, normal. Yeah, well, just just friendly. And then you go, oh shit, yeah, people take this stuff really seriously. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the one of the powerful effects of music is yeah. that and bring people together. Brings people together, and because people can relate so intensely to it, they feel uh, such a strong bond to the music and the musicians yeah. as well. Music is very interesting. It's. Uh, yeah, unlike you know, it, the other things 
come close you know film poetry literature uh you know landscapes even you know but it's music has a really interesting effect on people like you said it brings people together in a way a book does you know you can have a book club but you you can't have a thousands of people in the same place having the same emotional reaction but also from a distant people can talk about music in the same way but also people can hear that earworm thing you know you can hear just a couple of uh, and you can stay with you for days or you can hear a couple of a couple of notes and know the whole song you can affect people emotionally in a very different way that that uh, pictures or words can in a way you know by emotionally I mean you can evoke the first time you met somebody or you can make it really melancholy uh, or you know it can trigger memories you know obviously you can you can smell something it can evoke memories of a time and a place but music consistently has that ability. it's really interesting how it works and, and, and the why of it all you know Mm. So. I think that's a really uh, interesting and poignant point, point to end the conversation on. I, 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 do, I, can, I can take a hint. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop it now. Uh, I, I do end uh, all of my conversations with the same question, and maybe okay. Tracy would be a better place to answer this than uh, you, but uh, the question is, what makes you silly? Jesus Christ. I'm, I just thought I'm <laughs> Alcohol. I'm a, Vodka, I'm sorry, well, I, I, specifically. More of a gin. But I'm silly most of the time. I don't take myself too seriously. I take what I do seriously. I don't take myself seriously at all. Yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, it's a key ingredient to enjoying yeah. what you do in life. I think it's important to be silly, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's different types of silly. Yeah, just, yeah, it's good to be silly. And I guess it's going, uh, talking about not, you know, what, what do you want to do to grow up. I never wanted to grow up, yeah. So I, I'm still a big kid at heart, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can be, yeah, I can, I can be serious i can be philosophical and you know, i can be pseudo-intellectual but you know at the end of the day just, you know, we're having fun aren't we yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> thank you so much brian <laughs> thank you sir